Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 535, and tonight we've got a lot planned for you. First of all, we have another copy of Dead Effect 2 VR to give away. Ooh! So if you've got your ballots in, stick around. You might be our winner, and we're going to tell you how you can cast your ballot as well, because we still have some copies left. Yes! Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight we also are on the same camera, and we have 4K, so we can zoom in, and it's lossless. We're going to tell you a little bit about how that works and what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to show you how to install Plex Media Server on a Windows machine, which is going to allow you to create your own pseudo Netflix, allowing you to stream to your devices your home videos, your media library, your pictures. We're going to get all into that to show you uh, how to do that. Action-packed show. Oh, yeah. Cool. How are we going to fit it all in? Sasha, go! Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. A password manager that gives your private passwords to any website comes pre-installed with Windows 10. A nonprofit in San Francisco is taking heat because their robot worker costs far less than a human. The FCC has voted to eliminate net neutrality rules, and Google will be using lasers instead of fiber to deploy high-speed internet in India. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in live every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. And for local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show. Now, for the next four weeks, this week included, we are going to be switching cameras every single week. We have four different 4K cameras, and we're going to be demonstrating each and every one of those by broadcasting the show using that camera. Um, So if you're thinking about maybe becoming a broadcaster, if you've got a small studio and you want to look at some of these cameras, this is a great opportunity for you to look closely at these, see the quality, see how it works out in a studio environment like this. Um, So this week, our A-cam is the Sony FDR-AX53. It's a 4K Handycam provided by B&H Photo Video, and we're bringing it in to Telestream Wirecast at 4K, 30 240 by or whatever it is 31 uh, 4k 4k (laughs) what is it now people are going to say well what is it 3840 by 2160 that's the resolution of the camera coming into wirecast the way we're able to do that and this is something that you need to consider if you're going to do the same is we've got a 4k capture card from magewell that's the xi 100 de hdmi 4k capture card so it's able to bring it into telestream wirecast at full quality so we are still a 1080p broadcast so to be clear we're not broadcasting at 4k but instead we're now able to give you this nice wide shot which is 4k down sampled to 1080p or we can punch in 200 percent and you get a nice zoomed in shot which is not lossy right Right. clarity and also we don't have to use multiple cameras that's it so it's a single camera tonight uh plus the laptop screen and that's all we've got for you folks so here's hoping the tech right. works out well. Uh, so but that's it. Definitely a good opportunity. For, yeah. 
good opportunity for you to check out some of these cameras. Um, speaking of 4K cameras, the fourth one has arrived. It's the JVC, uh, the HM170U. Now, the 170, when it first came out, it didn't have the handle on the top. Really uh, loving the form factor, but it's got XLR inputs, which I can punch in on. See that? So it's got two XLR inputs. You've got controls here. Uh, it's got built-in mics as well. It came with, from B&H, cat5.tv slash B&H. They throw in the uh, shotgun mic uh, free as well. It's not technically included, but they give it to you. Nice-looking camera. And again, we're going to be demonstrating this live on the air. Uh, we're going to be shooting some video with it and showing you the quality. And we're doing that with all four of these cameras. So again, tonight is the entry level, what you're seeing on your screen right now. It's the very entry level um, Sony. I guess the 33 would be the, the lowest end of the 4K, but you would probably not go with a 33 at this point. The 53 is a good step up. It's not a lot more money. Um, and it's kind of like the the next gen of the 33. Basically the same camera, but the 53 is the better version. Um, so that's the more current version. So, uh, so let us know what you think. The whole show is going to be shot on that. Um, I have been doing something interesting this week to get into the show. Let's, let's get things started. What have you been doing? I have been trying to take some of the redundant things in my profession and... Okay. Such as what? Such as sending emails that I start to realize after many years of sending the same emails that, hey, these emails, even though I type the email every time, they're very similar in their content. <laughs> right. Usually, you know, because we only deal with so many different SKUs, and usually when I'm talking to a customer, it's the same conversation over and over, just a little bit of a different context. Right. So I've been writing an artificial intelligence in order to help me to become more proficient in my job, and that means being able to do more sales, being able to, uh, being able to help more customers, uh, and being able to focus on other work while the AI is doing... You're making like a robo-Robbie. I call it Robbie 2.0 at the office. <laughs> it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but... And it's been working. Really? Yeah. And um, you don't feel like you've been replaced? I feel... It was a little... Enhanced. It was a little uncanny, if you will. Um, Tuesday? Yesterday. I, it sent me an email. Oh. It, its first email to the world was to me. Like, it's master. hello, creator. No, it, it actually <laughs> talk, It emailed me as though it was me. And it was crazy. It was did, weird. Did it sound like you? It read like me. How it will I know it's you exact, now when I email you? you? How will I know that it's you? Uh, why would I email anyone now? I've got the AI to do it. Here's the thing. Huh. I do email Robbie sometimes, and now I'm going to question <laughs> no, whether or not it's actually Robbie responding. <laughs> She's gonna... easy, though. She's really, really easy to <laughs> impress because I just have an autoresponder. Anytime Sasha emails me, it just says, did you try turning it off and on again? <laughs> and then she always writes back and says, oh, thank you. That did it. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. Clever AI there, Robbie. See, what you need it's... to do is try and mess with it, Sasha. So next time you e email him in, say something like, the chicken ran away with the egg, and I don't know what to do. Right. And just mess up the AI. Right. Think that'll work? Then you'll be able to tell if it's Robbie or not. <laughs> he should just be like, I think we covered that on the show sometime. Try checking out the website. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> past episodes. My motivation is pure. And I've had conversations with my employer and kind of planned this out and let them know my motivation is, you know what, I could be doing other things while the AI is doing the stuff that I'm always doing, right. that I'm always spending my time doing. 
that can be automated by an AI and it's you know they respond and I can then interact with them as well in place of the AI so it's been working fantastic but if your motivation is not quite in the right place things could go wrong okay, okay. and it happened this is awesome now of course we all want that kind of ability to sit back at work and just kind of relax and let everything automate itself and I'm starting to see the potential in artificial intelligence yes uh, well there's a reddit user named fillet of fish 1066 that's who, an awesome name by the way well got hired and uh, as a programmer and decided you know what I'm gonna automate a lot of my job and that's exactly what they did and as it turns out they spent six years Playing video games. Doing no. Surfing the web. Nothing. Doing nothing. What? Their automated process did their entire job for them. And rather than being more proficient and doing other things and utilizing that as a way to become more productive, they said, I'm going to just chillax. So he got the job. He spent eight months automating the entire task that he had to perform, okay, which was like a programming job. It's like ana- analyzing programs and finding bugs and things like that. Automated the whole process. Um, and he automated his entire job by his computer. No so way. He was um, pretty antisocial at the office, so nobody <laughs> knew him, so nobody approached him. Nobody talked to him. Um, once in a while, the boss would check in with him, see how things are going, and he'd right. just respond. So probably wake up from a nap on his couch. Yeah, exactly. Up, it's fun. Uh, Quite literally, he was sitting back. He was sitting back at his desk doing whatever he wanted to do, and you know, probably had his monitor, the back of the monitor to the door or something. Um, so I cannot imagine. He got paid $95,000 a year. $95,000 a year, <laughs> this guy. Me? I did <laughs> nothing. And they thought he was doing his job because the, the AI or this automated process is doing the work for him. Yeah. Think about that for a second. So okay. He'd browse Reddit. He'd go to the gym and work out while it was doing its thing. Basically anything that he felt like doing. Um, and one of the key things that he did at his job was play League of Legends. Okay. Just sitting online, just addicted to League of Legends. So it sounds childish and stupid and, you know, who would ever do something like that? But here's the kicker. After six years, so he created this automated process, and after six years of just sitting there doing whatever that he wanted to do. Getting paid $96,000 a year. Yeah. What happened? He forgot how to code. (laughs) (laughs) He had not coded in six years. But his oh League goodness. of Legends was probably right on point. So, so somebody finally he's called now obsolete. him obsolete. He's obsolete and he's fired. They yeah. caught him. No. And fired the guy. And uh, now he can't get work because he's out of practice. <laughs> but, oh my goodness. Lucky him. He was a freeloader all the way. He also lived at home and ate the meals that his mom made for him and everything else. Which and were cheap fish sandwiches, <laughs> hence filet fish. fish. <laughs> and uh, he was able to put two hundred grand in the bank. Good for him. Well, so he'll need it. Two hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Invest it, mm-hmm. maybe. See, uh, if I if I was able to automate my entire job, I think I would take it to the next level. Going, what else could I do? 
Yeah. We're starting to hear more and more stories like this. We're starting to hear more stories like this. And it's it's really intriguing that, you know, people are tapping into AI. I'm tapping into AI for productivity reasons. But what a world, eh? My job is very much unable to tap into AI, I feel. I don't know about that. In the early days of, you know, when I first moved to Barrie, I was doing telemarketing. That's one of the ways I was able to get here. It was a higher paying job than working flipping burgers. Right. And they brought in the angel dialer, which was a kind of an AI powered by a human brain. Right. So you had a keyboard and you'd push the button that corresponded to what you wanted the robot to say. Kind of an early version of what could be done these days through true AI. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Food for thought. And what do you think? How much of your job could be automated and if they decided to automate it would you be out of work i my job is secure you deal with people i deal with people. one-on-one in person exactly and it's my Pepper job could not do what you it's do it's my job to care on so many levels yeah. and that's the thing like a robot can do but a robot can't care i'm gonna challenge that one. Oh, really do you remember that news story we covered about a, uh, about a year ago where i want to say it was a japanese hospital uh, put in a caring receptionist. It was a receptionist. It was Pepper, wasn't it? It was Pepper, and it was a receptionist that would help bring them to the area they needed to go. Rice. Right, but, but, it, but I just said rice. It was supposed to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but so I'm hungry, hungry right now. I want a burrito. But there was also an emotional component built into it to empathize with people, like if they came in angry, to address that. Mm. If they came in sad, like so. Right. I don't know. Maybe you could be replaced by Pepper. I doubt it. I think about how... Is that like, indispensable? I don't want to like... I don't want to say that about myself exactly, but we have hundreds of patients at the clinic. Hundreds. And I know like everything that they've ever told me about them, I still have in my brain, right? And when I see that it's almost 4.45 and one of our patients who's in a wheelchair is about to come in, I know to get to the vestibule to clear the shoes out of the way before he's right. even pulled up. So right? give some like, thought. Give some thought okay. this week, Sasha, and you at home. What of your job could be automated? I'm not automating oh, my job yes. like this guy did. Oh, I'm, I'm relieving some of the menial tasks that, like the initial contacts and the cold calling and those kinds of things that, yes, they have to be done. And yes, they're important to my job, but, and they're important to my customer. Right. right. But a lot of times, those kinds of things can be automated. So I'm starting to figure it out for me. What would it take to automate some of the things to ease your workload? We've got to take a really quick break. When we come back, we've got the Plex Media Server. We're going to be setting it up on a Windows system this time. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments because all of of our Linux-loving fans are going, What? Windows? I'm unsubscribing and... Becoming the biggest fan on YouTube. I'm writing a YouTube comment right now. (laughs) We'll be right back. And when we are, we're going to have some fun. So stick around. stories that's unfolding in our lifetime. We are only seeing just the beginning of this project. And these children will change the world.
Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, broadcasting tonight on the AX53 from Sony. We've got one camera, so now we can step outside of our usual box and high-five Sasha. That's right. Nice. I can look at you That's now. That's right. How cool is that? I don't have that? to look. Okay, I can so look at Jeff. This whole time you I've been trying to look at Robbie, and I've had to look here. That's how far off yeah, I have to and look. I'm looking down there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking at the washroom. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got to go. He's always got to go. Hey, our Patreon page has been revamped. If you are a patron, please, please, please head on over there, learn about it, and make sure you update your pledge. Mm-hmm. If you previously gave a dollar per episode of Category 5 TV, due to these changes, it's now a monthly pledge. You are now giving 25 cents per episode because it's $1 per month. So please make sure that you check that out, find out what's going on, and change your pledge to a monthly pledge you know, it's not hard to do i mm-hmm. i definitely did it and while i was in there i updated my profile because i had Perfect. never i'd never created a patreon profile so now you've got a bit of a bio and everything else can everybody see everybody's bios can i people think check mine out? well i think if they know how to find you uh, I, unless you have it set to like private or something. i don't know but if you can if you can see me on there you can set whether or not people can see what you pledge to but oh, I don't okay. know if you can hide yourself. Because it asked me to do a um, a bio. Nice. And I did. Nice. So, I don't know. Now everybody's reading about you and they're challenging themselves to try and outfund you. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, head, on over, is on. head on over to patreon.com slash category five to become a patron. It's an awesome way to participate in the show to su- support us. And you can watch the exclusive Patreon vlog this week. I ranted about how angry open source made me. Got to be a patron to find out what I'm talking about. Okay, Dead Effect 2 VR. Yes. Have you tried it yet, Jeff? I have not. No. You've got your copy. Don't I show do. them your code. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just installed it. Now it's gone. I'll have to give you another one. He's got it now, folks. Um, who else has got it? Well, this week, Nebo13. Nebo13! Watching on the Roku 2 from Stonecrest, Georgia. That's near Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Well, welcome and congratulations. And if you'd like to win, Jeff, how can they win? They can send an email to contest at category5.tv. Let us know where you're watching from, how you're watching. And uh, if you want to send us a picture of your setup, that would be even amazing. Very cool. Yeah, we love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Chris... Lee actually posted today on Twitter um, some of the stuff that he's bought through our partner link. If you go to our website, category5.tv, support us, our partners. And how cool is that? Chris loves seeing that kind of stuff. Thanks for sending it in. Mm-hmm. Um, purchased a bunch of networking hardware and has got it all set up to a T, and it looks great. It's really easy to make that move. Like, even when I was building that computer for Dave, I purchased everything through the yep. links, right? Oh, yeah. So it was yeah. easy. easy. Our, cool. Pretty much all of our Christmas shopping supported Category 5. That's, oh, yeah. thanks. That's great. And the community, too. I mean, you folks have been awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us. Such a cool way to support us, and Merry it works. Merry Christmas. Aw, thanks. It goes right <laughs> back into everything that you see happening here. Okay. Plex Media Server. Think of this as kind of your own homebrewed Netflix. Love it. Wow. Kind of a good way to explain it because we're all familiar with 
the Netflix interface and how it lays out, you know, you go into comedy and there's all your comedy shows and this kind of stuff. Right. Plex allows you to create your own service so that you can import your own library, mm-hmm. your favorite online shows. If you want to add Category 5 TV, for example, we're going to show you how to do that. You can add your home movies. Yes. That's cool. Your music library. We've Photos. got, we've ripped, absolutely, and we've ripped all of our um, Christmas music this year. And oh, we okay. put it on our Plex. So now we just say, play Christmas music, and it's just a shuffle library of nonstop Christmas. Excellent. Very cool. Commercial free. Uh, Plex is a free piece of software. Now, they do have some commercial components. They do have a subscription service called Plex Pass. Jeff, maybe you can touch on a little bit of what the advantages of that are. Yeah, so I did not initially sign up for Plex Pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just use regular Plex Media Server. And then about six months in, I decided I want the ability to download. Download? Yeah. What are you going to download? My files. From your Plex? Remotely. So you so, can. Well, that's one of the things that comes with Plex Pass. So I signed up for the lifetime subscription. I think it was I don't know 150 bucks or something. Like it was, mm-hmm. but now I'm covered for life. Okay. But it allows me to, on my other Plex devices. So say like my tablet. Sure. I, I can wherever the, you've got the app installed. Right. Your so, laptop, your computer, your tablet, your TV, your Roku. Yes, I could be sitting Amazon Fire in a hotel, TV. and download my files. And so that you them. have a local copy. Yes. Do you have to download it or can you stream Don't it? Don't have to. You can stream it. Okay. Uh, also with Plex Pass comes some of their other additional features. They're, they're always rolling out some cool stuff. I think trailers is one that I would really yes. find appealing Love to be able to see the trailer before I click on the movie. Yes. Even on my own library. Right. Yeah, I love that. Good. We're looking through Netflix, Becca and I, my wife, um, and looking for a new Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And how do we do it? We bring up the trailers on Netflix. So we bring up the description. Oh, that one sounds interesting. Play the trailer. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that with a Plex Pass on your, your own Plex server. Yes. It's, it's good. There's a lot of added features. And truthfully, I don't even utilize them all. Sure. Because... But they're there. You've got a lifetime subscription. It's done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Plex Media Server itself is absolutely free. Uh, we have installed it and shown how to use it on multiple kinds of devices. Mm-hmm. So go to our website, category5.tv, and simply click... Click search and uh, do a search for Plex, P-L-E-X. And one of the videos that we've done, Jeff and I um, did a tutorial on how to set up Plex media server on a Raspberry Pi 3. Which is how I'm running at home. So keep, keep in mind that makes the Raspberry Pi 3 your server. And then any device that you use, your tablet, your phone, your computer, your, your Roku, can connect to that and stream the video to your TV or whatever. That's cool. It's so cool. So we've shown those things. Go to our website and do a search for Plex to see those. But tonight we're going to do something a little different, something that we haven't done yet, and that's to show you how to install Plex Media Server. So this is the server component on your Windows machine. Okay. You may have a Windows machine that's always on, and if you do, we can treat that as our server. And that's the one that all of our other devices in the house will connect to and be able to stream video from. Um, In addition to that, 
our Plex channel has been updated to version 1.9. Now, that's okay. a big leap for us. We're going to show you tonight how to download and install that on your brand new Plex media server. All right. So, Let's hello to the chat room. I see you up here on my laptop, but I'm going to have to minimize you, my friends. <laughs> Bringing up a new tab, and in order to get Plex, again, it's free. We're just going to go to Plex. I'm going to bring up my screen just so that you've got it. Plex.tv slash downloads. Just like that. All right. So I mentioned that you can install this on multiple kinds of devices. One of the things I need to mention as well, you can, in fact, install Plex Media Server on your NAS. Yes. Think about that for a moment. If you've got a smart NAS, you can install Plex on that, and then your NAS itself becomes the server. I have it installed in, on uh, Unraid, on my Unraid server. Mm -hmm. So I've got eight hard drives in my server, and I've got a massive library, and it's amazing. And you've got the power of that, of that server as well. So now that I'm at the download page, I'm one step closer to awesome. I just click on download, and it skims me down here. I'm running Windows right now, so it automatically detected that, but check this out. Mac, Linux, FreeBSD, Synology, Netgear, QNAP. These are NASA's QNAP. Unray, Drobo, Asustor, Asustor, Trekus. Now we're getting into the obscure ones, folks. The ones that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> uh, we're moving along. Seagate, we've heard of them. Uh, Western Digital, hard drive manufacturer, TerraMaster, and then other Docker. Hello. Docker's like a um, uh, kind of like a virtualization platform, but really it's like sharing resources on a Linux architecture. Oh, okay. So those who use it know what it is, how it works. Um, we, today, for the sake of the demo, are on Windows. So we're just going to download that. As simple as this. Boom. Again, it's free. And I'm going to click to open that. So that's going to take 7, 5, 4, because Windows knows countdowns. 3, <laughs> Three minutes? Three minutes? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Little blue... Two minutes? Little blue wheels starting <laughs> to slowly go around. Uh, we can we'll laugh about it. So as that downloads, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we're going to install Plex. We're going to get it set up. And then we're going to put our, you know, Category 5 TV Plex channel on our Plex server so that we can watch Category 5 from anywhere Plex. on our devices. Check it out. We'll be right back. Jeff Weston, Yaman. you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cap5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. The download is complete, and we are ready to install Plex Media Server on our Windows machine. Now, there's really not a lot of options here. Where do you want to install it to? I'm just happy with the default, and we're going to go install. Are you sure you want to install this? Why, yes. Thank you for asking, Windows. <laughs> be ironic if you said no in the middle of the show. 
Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> Why isn't it working? <laughs> so this is installing all of the components for Plex Media Server, and wow, is it done already? So that's it? yeah, apparently. So let's see what it, what it does. Uh, when I click on launch, it's most likely going to bring up my web browser because Plex is in fact a web browser based utility on right. your computer. I mean, you're not going to uh, install a program from a computer in order to access it. You're just going to access it through your web browser. It's as simple as that. Uh, didn't bring, didn't launch anything. Let's try 127.0.0.1 colon. And then the port, the default port for Plex is always 32400 and then slash web. And it is there. It's running. Look at that. Beautiful. My dashboard is empty. Oh. Now, I can add a library and I can say this is movies and I can say this is movies and I like to say movies drama or movies sci-fi and I like to organize myself that way so that everything is kind of together and then I can click next and I can browse for media if you're not sure how Plex Media Server works from that end of things go back and watch our Pi episode mm -hmm. Right. Um, in, uh, it's Plex Media Server for Raspberry Pi 3 you can google it you can go onto our website category5.tv pardon me and search it there and you will find it so, what we're interested in tonight is getting Category 5 TV to work on Plex. So, people are asking, hey, how can I do that? How can I get Plex installed on, or how can I get Category 5 TV installed on my Plex server without having to download, you know, through an RSS feed and get all the files downloaded locally? And, you know, that takes up a massive amount of space. So, here's how we do it, folks. You ready for it? Category5.tv slash subscribe. This is where you go for any of your platforms that you want to use for uh, Category 5 TV shows. You can break it down by show, or you can get the consolidated feed if you want the uh, RSS feeds. We've got audio, we've got low quality, SD and HD, uh, and so on. So, but here, we're here for Plex. We've got Roku and Cody as well. Let's get our Plex plug-in. Now, I'm going to walk you through how to do this because it's a little complex for somebody who's never done this before. I want to show you how to obtain it, how to install it, how to get it up and going. So this is called GitHub, and this is where we code the Plex channel. So you'll see, you know, here it says three days ago it was updated. So you know that, hey, this is, this is more recent than the one I installed three weeks ago. So we click on clone or download, and then we go download zip. And that's going to download our channel, and it's extremely small, so it's going to be really, really quick to download. There it is. It's done. And now show in folder is what I'm clicking on, but basically it's in my downloads folder. And now I'm going to right-click on it in Windows and go extract all. Similar process on Linux or Mac or wherever you are. So now there's a folder called category5.tv-master. First of all, I want to go into that because I see that there's a redundant copy of that folder within that folder. So we're going to actually work on this one. Go into that and you see, oh, those are the files. Mm -hmm. Okay. So right here, now the dash master has been added by GitHub. This is a known thing. And if you read the Plex manual, it'll tell you, you got to remove that. So we remove the dash master so that it is now called category five dot or yeah, category five dot bundle. And that's the naming algorithm for Plex. So then I'm going to cut that folder. Now I'm ready to move this into my Plex plugins folder. It's going to be located at different places depending on your platform, but here on Microsoft Windows, it's nice and easy to find. I'm going to simply uh, go into my address bar up here at the top and type percent local app data percent. Okay, 
hit enter, and this is the local application data for all of my installed applications, and I see one now called Plex Media Server, which I can enter. Within that folder, I see Plugin Support and Plugins. The folder I want to enter is called Plugins. You'll see there is something called Service Bundle. Before I paste, I want to show you in Plex what we're actually doing. If I click on Channels, I want you to be able to see the difference. You see that there are no channels installed. So now back there, I'm going to right-click and go Paste. And so now within my Plex Media Server slash Plugins folder, I've got Category 5 dot bundle. And if I enter that, it's not another folder. It is actually the content of the GitHub repository. Uh, you can also use Git if you want so that you can just do a git pull and it will automatically update to the latest version. That's a good idea if you know how to do that, but we're showing you the kind of the novice entry level way of doing this so that it's nice and easy. So now that I've pasted that into the correct folder, I should be able just to simply refresh my browser with F5 in the channels folder here on Plex. And lo and behold, we have one channel installed. It's in fact syncing to our channel right now. That's why it took a moment for the, for the icon to come up. If I go back home, click on channels, now I see it's instant, right? Click on it, and there we go. So we've got Category 5, Technology TV, The Newsroom, New Every Day, The Pixel Shadow, Scratch Coding for Kids, uh, Nature Sounds, we've got Shorter Clips, and Watch Live. So Watch Live, obviously, during a live show, you can use that. If you want to go Shorter Clips, you can see um, shortened clips, like little seven-minute segments instead of the full one hours. These are great so that you can just kind of skim through the content if you've missed a couple of shows and you want to see what's going on, uh, or if, you've, if you want to share it with somebody as well. Category 5 Technology TV, obviously our full-length show. So these are like one hour plus. Uh, and this goes back, you know, you can, you can go back. How far can we go? Bum, 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 bum. There we go. Just scroll, scroll, scroll. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. of free <laughs> HD video content. So cool. You can plex and chill. Uh, amazing. Wow, Jeff. Just wow. So here's last week's episode. So if I just simply click on that, you'll see that uh, it shows me the description. It gives me a little bit of info about it. And then I can hit play. And we go back in time. Uh, by a week. <laughs> oh, we my go. goodness. Look at my hair. I am so much older than I was then. Our camera this week looks way better. Yes, it does. So you can go full screen. That and we look better. Yeah, it's, it's us. <laughs> I'm going to just mute the sound here because I don't want you to have to hear it and us at the same time. But there you go. So that's actually streaming to Plex, to my Plex media server, to my browser, right. and, and I'm able to access that. Now, in our scenario tonight, I've installed and am accessing Plex from the very same computer, Microsoft Windows installed and, and so on. Now, all I need is the IP address of that laptop or my computer that is now running Plex Media Server. Right. And from any other device on my network, I can connect to that URL. So the IP address colon 32400 right. slash web. And now I've got the Plex interface and I can stream to that. That so I, is awesome. A computer connected to your 4K TV. Perfect. Nice. Good times. An app installed on your phone. Good times. Nice. I'm the guy saying nice this week. Yeah, you are. <laughs> nice. I said it once already. 
There you have it, folks. So that is Plex Media Server with our channel installed on a Windows system. Check it out. Let us know what you think. We'd love to field your questions. We'd love to know how you're enjoying our channel as well as your just Plex in general. Remember, go back, watch the Raspberry Pi one because we get into more details about how to add your library and things yes. like that. And just play around with it. Have fun. It's cool. It's non-destructive. So you can add your library, your home movies, and it's you know create descriptions. It's, it's a database on that computer which you can back up and you know it's fantastic it's your own homebrew netflix check it out plex.tv very cool i do like this being on one camera this is fantastic i know it's i don't a, have any I've limitations what i need to remember though is that i can in fact zoom in because you know part of the 4k experience is the fact that we can do this kind of stuff and jeff and i can have a conversation now i should mention that the ax53 is running in full auto mode tonight right so if colors are off a little bit we may want to tweak the um the way that it's you know the the exposure the white balance and all that kind of stuff right the ax53 because it's very entry level it's a lot of automated features is not really good for doing manual stuff. Hmm. Um, we'll I have a really important question from the chat room yes. in this moment. Kay. Is there a way for a viewer to call in like via Skype or whatnot? Well, I have Skype on my phone. Are you thinking that you want to call in today? Because we're not really connected for it. But if that's something that you, the community, would like to have, um, certainly it's something that we could uh, enable on the show. We've done it in the past, and certainly yeah. you know, we'd love to do it again. Um, but we would need to kind of know that there's maybe we'd set aside a couple of, you know, couple of shows for that. Um, I would love that, and so would the chat room. Perfect. How great would that be? Okay, we'll put that on the to-do list for, uh, for the new year, folks, because we've got a lot to do over the next couple of weeks. How's that sound? Sounds good. Patrons especially, get your comments into us. Let us know what you think. And if you are not already a patron, please become one. That's a way for you to really one-on-one um, -on -one interact with us, uh, especially myself, because I admin the, uh, the Patreon channel. Or uh, the does page. your AI. Does That's it? That's right. Hey, come on. I vlog. You know it's me. Maybe it's just CG. Maybe. It's gotten really good these days. <laughs> I'm like Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you All ready of a for it? You start looking like the ESET guy. I do already. <laughs> He's my brother. That's right. <laughs> Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.tv newsroom. A password manager that gives your private passwords to any website comes pre installed with Windows 10. A nonprofit in San Francisco is taking heat because their robot worker costs far less than a human. The FCC has voted to eliminate net neutrality rules, and Google will be using lasers instead of fiber to deploy high-speed internet in India. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman and here are the top stories we're following this week. 
For about eight days, some versions of Windows 10 bundled a password manager that contained a critical vulnerability within its browser plugin. The flaw was almost identical to the one that the same researcher had disclosed in the same manager plugin 16 months ago, which allowed websites to steal passwords. Google Project Zero researcher Tavis Ormandy in a blog post Friday has said that the Keeper password manager came pre-installed on a newly built Windows 10 system. When he tested this unrequested app, it prompted him to enable a browser plugin, and that plugin contained a bug that represents a complete compromise of Keeper security, allowing any website to steal any password. With only basic changes to selectors, Ormandy's old proof-of-concept exploit worked on the new Keeper plugin. His post linked to the publicly available proof-of-concept exploit, which steals an an end-user's Twitter password if it's stored in the Keeper app and the plugin is enabled. After the post went live, a Keeper spokesman said that the bug only affected version 11 of the app, which was released on December 6th, and only when a user followed Keeper prompts to install the browser plugin. They fixed the flaw in the just-released version 11.4 by removing the vulnerable functionality. The fix came 24 hours after Ormandy privately reported the flaw to Keeper. Well, at least they fixed it quickly. But, At least. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope it wasn't exploited in the wild. It seems like malicious action. Do you think it's accidental or or do you think that it's, uh, like it's mm. passwords, right? Like, do you Let's think somebody... get into the conspiracy theory aspect of this. Right? Like, are Microsoft's there... products are closed source. I'm assuming the app is Microsoft. I'm not yeah. sure. But it comes with Windows 10 anyway. It's a, so, yeah, it's a pre-installed um, app. But it's closed source. So it's not like... Uh, pu- publicly open sourced application that can accidentally uh, accept a PR or something and, and somebody can inject code. So it would have to be somebody that's actually... <laughs> or just an accident. Maybe right. there was an... Uh, you know, it's just... Whoops, a bug that allows the passwords in your password manager to be sent to any site. Which is crazy. I miss you, password box. I feel like there's been enough like windows bugs over the years that i'm sure this is just nothing more than an, like oops. an oopsie it's yeah. the same though that happened 16 months ago that's the thing yeah 16 not 15 so, said so, yeah 16 months ago there was a bug that caused this it was reported and fixed and now here it is again hmm. so <laughs> what does that mean it can happen. I mean, it's a bad, a bad case because this, these are your, per, your private passwords. So right. um, you trust these applications. I don't use this, you know, the Windows um, password um, management app. But Does anybody? Does anyone? Do you? And are you affected by it? That's the question. I don't use it simply because I don't like the idea of it possibly being used as a marketing thing. As weird as that sounds. Windows, yeah. If, if, like if it's built into the Windows software, I'm sure there's some sort of marketing that comes We've with it. We've seen your password is. Right. <laughs> um, well, I, I use LastPass, and the thought that comes to my mind is, and there have been little exploits here and there with, with LastPass and, and bugs and, and whatever else, but Not nothing right. nothing that's revealing my passwords to any website that requests them. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, but what would happen, and, and first of all, how does this happen, really? How are there not security measures in place when you are building a password management tool? It's like if you accept credit cards online, why are you storing them in plain text in a MySQL database? Like, it, do- right. it doesn't make sense. Why are you storing plain text passwords? There's no rhyme or reason to that. Why would you 
not pay special care right. to this. But what would have you know what? How would I feel if LastPass had such an exploit? Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing. Now I used. Password, password box, box yeah and Me then too. when it switched over to TrueKey, now i use TrueKey. but okay. is that what happens then like all of my trust really and all of my enthusiasm was in password box now they switched yes. over mm-hmm. now i just went along with it right but yeah. is the same trust i had in password box is it the same that i should have in TrueKey, or is it or like you know what i mean like aka mcafee yeah. i use dashlane I've never even heard of Dashlane. It's a, it's a subscription service. Yes, I love it. It's cross it's cross platform, um, mm-hmm. and it works on multiple devices. And if I uh, create a password on one website, it syncs up with my account for any of my other devices. So, like LastPass or Password exactly Box or same deal. Or, but it's yep. I find it seamless. It's I've I've tried getting into the um, database and. It's garbly gook. You can't figure it out. If Jeff can't hack it, folks. It's unhackable. <laughs> I even brought out the hatchet. Did you try turning it off and on again? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. That's the one thing he didn't try. That's the best way to exploit Only a Windows AI operating system. would tell me what to do. Did you try just entering root and then pressing enter? That's right. That's sometimes that works. <laughs> sometimes. All right. <sighs> a San Francisco animal shelter has announced it will no longer use a Nightscope security robot to patrol its office after a widely circulated report described the robot being used to deter nearby homeless encampments and rising crime. The San Francisco SPCA said that it has received hundreds of messages inciting violence and vandalism against their facility after the story of the robot went viral. In response to that pressure, the organization will seek a more fully informed, consensus-oriented local approach to the use of security robots. San Francisco authorities had already advised the SPCA to stop using the robot on sidewalks without proper approval. Mountain View-based Nightscope has said in a statement that the robot was not brought in to clear the area around the San Francisco SPCA of homeless individuals, but only to serve and protect the SPCA. The recent influx of tech companies and their high-paid employees has helped drive income inequality and make San Francisco the most expensive place to rent an apartment in the United States. Those underlying tensions have boiled over in protest against tech companies, including over private shuttles run by companies including Google. The San Francisco SPCA facility is located in a rapidly gentrifying neighborhood where inequality is particularly acute, contributing to the rise of homeless encampments on the sidewalks. The SPCA reported a recent rise in vandalism and theft, which it has said declined after the security robot was put into service. But in San Francisco's current context, the thought of using a high-tech robot to deter homeless people doesn't go over well. The robot could also be seen as taking a a job from a human. The president of the SPCA earlier told the San Francisco Business Times that the robot cost just $6 an hour to rent, while San Francisco's minimum wage is $14 an hour. As a nonprofit, the cost of a human worker would be cost prohibitive. So while they are retiring the robot, they have no intention of hiring a person to take its place. Wow, that's a lot. Because it's not like the robot is taking the job of a human. 
right? And oh, it's an okay. SPCA, right? right? So it's a non-profit and they can't use a robot, which would really no doubt help. But it's because they can't use the robot because there's this homeless situation, and so there's homeless people all over the sidewalks. The problem is bigger than this robot, but the robot seems to be but definitely the, a sore spot. Like the scapegoat or what something. I, what's not clear from this is why are people upset? Like, how is the robot approaching the homeless? Right. What What is it doing? Is is lasers, Jeff? <laughs> Maybe it's lasers. But it, yeah. from its freaking head. <laughs> is Is it doing something that's upsetting them, or is it just the presence of a robot? Right. Well, that's the thing. It's probably the presence of a robot because, truth be told, what could it possibly know. be doing? It's just there to patrol the area. It's a right? monitoring system. It's an yeah. advanced monitoring system. And realistically, in my view, I think it's not the robot that's causing It's what the this. robot represents. It's more what... Yeah, I mean, it, it's shedding light on a situation where tent cities are popping up and... Right. The SPCA is having to bring in a robot in order to simply patrol, and it's getting vandalized and it's getting right. abused, and you know, so there's all kinds. And San Francisco is already making a scene over robots accessing On- sidewalks and public areas and things like exactly. that. Exactly. So. I mean, it's a hot spot for a story like this to come out of, right? But sure. I mean, if minimum wage is fourteen dollars an hour and it's a nonprofit organization, they're yeah. not going to be able to see, even say to one of the homeless people, "Hey, I'll pay you six dollars an hour," because it wouldn't be legal. They'd right. have to pay $14 an hour, whereas any yeah. one of those people would probably take the six. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a messy, touchy subject. And but- we're really in that place, aren't we, where yeah. this is really going to start coming to light, I think, in more places as well. Well, it's no different, really, than the story last week of the drone flying around after work, right? It's, now it's, it's a machine that's... Yeah affecting the behavior of the people and now people are going to start feeling a little bit what i find interesting about this and maybe this is more of a tongue-in-cheek comment it's the spca wouldn't the dogs be deterrent they're in cages the dogs yeah the dogs are inside this is this is generally outdoors this is outdoor vandalism yeah probably i would say oh yeah oh yeah okay sorry Uh, like I'm just thinking, like, hey, put up an attack dog on premises sign or, or something, and you know, have somebody watch. <laughs> Jeff's solution is a violent one. <laughs> let's not use no. robots. Let's use no, canines. but no, but yes. it's, it's the psych- and let's psych- make them attack canines. No, no, no. It's the psychology of it. You've right. got you've got the do- the sign up, and then you go to the, to spray paint, and the now wall and suddenly dogs are barking. It's you, like, oh you've my You've got goodness. all these poor kittens in the shelter that are scared out of their ever-loving minds because this attack dog is constantly barking at the homeless people. Have you been to the SPCA here in Barrie? Yeah. Have, that's I, where we I was in got just our a few animal. weeks ago and they're barking all the time oh, anyway. Yeah, you just have to do one of those Home like Alone recordings of like, remember the, that scene where it's just the shotguns and stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we just went downhill. Got five minutes to get your filthy yellow whatever. They just need Macaulay Culkin to come yeah. on scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. The... Federal Communications Commission voted Thursday to deregulate the broadband industry and eliminate net neutrality rules that prohibit internet service providers from blocking and slowing internet traffic. 
Going forward, home and internet providers and mobile carriers will no longer be bound by strict net neutrality rules, but rather by whatever promises they choose to make. ISPs will be allowed to block or throttle internet traffic or offer priority to websites and online services in exchange for payment. As long as ISPs publicly disclose the blocking, slowing, or paid prioritization, they won't be violating any FCC rules. The Federal Trade Commission could punish ISPs if they make promises and then break them, but there's no requirement that the ISPs make promises in the first place. The FCC will have to defend its decision in court as pro-net neutrality groups plan to appeal. Advocates are also pushing Congress to reinstate net neutrality rules. So do you think that this repeal will go through? Jeff? Well, I mean, it's a Jeff question. He works for the union. <laughs> this is a political answer at best, which we know always brings out uh, a lot of opinions online. I mean, if you look at the way things have been going in the U.S. as far as changing of the rules, it's very business centric, right? Uh, which was the platform that was offered. Built. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's you know how he, uh, Trump got elected. So this just falls in line with that. So. It's a political answer. Is it going to get overturned? I don't know. The big question becomes, what is going to be the impact of it? Because we did have non-net neutrality. The net neutrality came in to curb some of these issues. Now you're taking it away. Is there going to be um, almost a Wild West type uh, mindset amongst the big companies saying, hey, we've just had the leash taken off. Let's do this, and we're right. going to let everybody know we're doing it so we're not breaking any rules. And that's going to be the big thing is is whether it's appealed or not remains to be seen, but what is the fallout from this, and how far is it going to go before people go, whoa, 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 put some reins on this, and what happens then? Right. That's what I'm interested to see. When you, I mean, whether you're for or against regulations, when you put restrictions on something, it changes the way that you play when you remove restrictions sky's the limit and it's going to be very interesting to see how this really tough to know really tough to know right now because i think that if my isp was throttling the services that i use and making it so that they're not functioning very well what happens then then i would switch isps right so they're going to lose my business Right. right so now it's the deregulation just simply means that the ISP has to now make wise decisions for their customers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's two sides of it. And, and maybe it boils down to, is the ISP a moral company? Are they... Uh, obviously, they're in this to make money. But would turning down the speed, the throughput of BitTorrent to a reasonable level... Thinking of QoS, quality of service, would right. turning it down a bit help those who are watching on Netflix be able to watch uh, with better experience? And if yes, then that's quality of service. Right. We're, we're restricting something that you're going to let this run overnight anyways, and whether it takes five minutes or five hours probably doesn't make much of a difference to you. But the person sitting there watching a 4K video on Netflix is going to be impacted by that spinning wheel that says they don't have enough bandwidth. Right. So there's really two sides to it. But if I recall correctly, when the whole net neutrality thing came in several years ago, was it not because people were finding that their Netflix, in particular, was throttled by certain oh, ISPs? Boy. 
Right. And what happens now? Is this Mm going to affect viewership? And does it now open up the door for the services like Netflix or Mm -hmm. any of your streaming uh, services to start going into business deals with certain ISPs to say, look, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll cut you a a portion of the revenue Mm -hmm. of all of your subscribers who use our service if you don't throttle. And now we're going to start seeing, hey, if you buy our service, you'll get better Netflix. Right. Because it's actually throttled that way. It'll be interesting to see, though, if somebody comes out and says, hey, we're unthrottled. Our service is, like, we're, it's everything, you know, and is that going to be a marketing gimmick now? Right. Probably. And and how is this going to affect prices? So understand this, the impact here is simply that the ISPs now have the choice. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying, and, and nobody's saying, Netflix is going to start buffering or Category 5 is no longer going to be viewable in HD because they don't have enough money to pay the ISPs for the better right. bandwidth. Right. That's probably... I can't see that happening because it's still the internet. And if, right. if it's not working, I'm going to change ISPs. But the fact is, is now the ISPs will have the legal right to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. It... it uh. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, this definitely. is one of those ones where I feel like popping some popcorn, sitting back, and just watching the show. Yeah. It's and too tricky for me to make a decision on how I exactly I feel, except that I never imagined it would be an issue. Like, I didn't actually know that net neutrality was a thing until it was... Well, we're here in Canada. Yeah. And we have it's, net yeah. neutrality rules here. in place that... Yeah protect us even though the states are going through this mm-hmm. um but it it's a, fin- a finicky thing too you know right. bell is fighting that with the crtc and we could see it say bye-bye as well mm-hmm. right and then it's it's going to impact us as well the one thing that i was thinking about as i've re- watched this play out over the last couple of weeks is what about things like online shopping Online shopping is huge right now. So you get, oh, yeah. and like with Boxing Day uh, deals coming up and, and like cyber deals, is this going to open the door to say, hey, we, you know, we're going to partner with this online retailer so we won't throttle your purchases here. But if you go to this one, we're going to slow it down. So when you're trying right. to process your order... And there's limited Again, quantity. You hope you hope that isn't it. It's the same yeah. with t- like buying tickets. Again, they like they that, have right? the legal right to do that, Both. but would they? Yeah, if, it would be silly for them. It to do would that. be silly if it produces dollars. Silly, Jeff. That's silly. If it Don't produces dollars, it'll be, <laughs> and especially if it turns into revenue for. It's not going to produce dollars if I say, you know what, your service stinks. I'm going to switch providers to somebody who correct works with Amazon or whoever. Whomever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. Hmm. Here's a good story. <laughs> Google will be using lasers instead of fiber to deploy high-speed internet in India. There are two main components to getting an entire nation online, the last mile and the backbone. The often talked about last mile is the final piece of the puzzle, the cable running to each house or the wireless link between your cell phone and a nearby tower. But in order for that last mile to work, it has to be hooked up to something. 
Normally, that means a dedicated fiber line running from the cell tower to a local exchange, which is time-consuming and costly to run. So, faced with the challenge of bringing rural India online, Google is trying something very different. Alphabet, Google's parent company, has entered into an agreement with India's government to provide high-speed wireless internet to millions of residents using a point-to-point -point laser connectivity system. Routers reports. The system will reportedly involve 2,000 boxes installed in total with some up to 12 miles apart. Some kind of optical system, which essentially means lasers, will be used to connect the boxes together. The system will provide a backbone for cell towers and Wi-Fi hotspots, which will allow residents to access the internet using basic smartphones. The optical data links have a capacity of up to 20 gigabits, according to Alphabet, far more than traditional radio wave systems that they currently have can achieve. The project is a spin-off of Alphabet's project Loon, a concept that uses giant floating balloons to distribute wireless internet to rural areas. The optical link technology might be related directly to Loon, although Alphabet hasn't provided any details to that effect. So I don't know who is keeping track for the Category 5 dictionary, but radio raves is new. Oh, <laughs> I, I heard that too. Sorry. Okay. Jot it down. Jot it down. So when I was younger, I used to have a really bad speech impediment, and I couldn't oh, do my Oh, wait, I put me on a guilt trip. No, I, and I could, okay, this is an important well story, played. because I've come so far. I couldn't say my R's at all. Yep. And so I went to a speech pathologist, and it was, I was like 10 or 11, like embarrassingly old by the time I could say my R's. But in order to pass my class... Uh -huh. For my speech pathologist, I had to stand in front of the class and read a book called Ronald the Race Car Driver. Oh, my. Oh. Way to initiate her. And oh, you did great, Sash. Yeah, thanks. Don't get me wrong. Now I read the news, and it's crazy for me because there are R's in, like, every word. Like radio waves. Yeah. That's, That's a big a one. crazy one. Anyway, okay. so, so. Back on top. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> right. So sorry, we've got sorry, lasers guys. for point-to-point -point communication. Yes, and this would solve... The Australia problem, where they're eating the line. <laughs> Just try to eat through my lasers, you <laughs> cockatoos. Okay, I, I love the story. I love the potential that comes with this. And I think of all those remote areas that are stuck on, especially in Canada, satellite service. Right. Where they need right. satellite internet. But that's what, FM? Uh, or No, it's a different frequency. Something else? Okay. Um, 802.11 of some sort. Yeah, I used to install satellite internet dishes, and I forget all the details. But, um, but something like this could be very effective. But at the same time, I'm I'm thinking of uh, the report that just came out this week from I think it's California. Hey, don't keep your cell phones in your pocket. Don't have your cell phones beside your bed because of the radio waves and the cancer-causing agents. And blah blah blah. Now we're shooting lasers everywhere. Well, you think about the speed of fiber optic cable. Right? Right. A laser is basically fiber optic without the cable. Right. But is somebody going to turn around and say, I potentially have become ill because you've been shooting lasers through my body when I didn't ask for it to be in? And They're probably yeah. above the shooting. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> I would me. say. Maybe. But would they be affected by weather and stuff? Like I'm or looking wildlife. here. Sure, yeah. Um, like uh, Cherapunji. Um, has a subtropical climate in India with um, 
Looks like the city's yearly air rainfall is 11,777 millimeters. It's a lot of rain. That's a lot. And rain, as we know, will affect line-of-sight communication and yes. laser. Think about a raindrop going through a laser and how that would yeah, affect it. It would just scatter the beam. Right. So, but if they didn't have internet before, right, then any amount would be... Don't complain. You can't expect to surf the web when it's raining Talk and you're your stuck ISP. inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the possibility of stealing internet this way? Oh, boy. With you mirrors? have to redirect the, the laser beam. Oh, goodness me. That but, would be but, very... But, I mean, if it's transmission, I mean, could you using... I don't know how it works. I'm just nah. As but, soon as soon as you intercept that, they're going to know because it's been cut off. So the receiving point has not is no longer receiving the signal. Right. So, uh, but yet you're still pulling throughput. So, nah, I couldn't. You know, it, it's it's a cool concept regardless. Yeah. I mean, we've oh, got, yeah. what is it uh, down in South America? You've got, I think it's Google is doing drones for internet. Now we got mm. lasers for internet. I think at one point I heard that there was, like, balloons for internet. That's, yeah, Project Loon. That's yeah. balloons, yeah. Yeah, like... Then Facebook has got their drone, the big, big drone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, hey, how else can you get well, they're looking else? for cool Pigeons. ways. Yeah, they're looking for technological ways that are achievable now to bring internet to areas that can't normally have it. And fiber through the air would be very fast. Absolutely. You know, compared to the copper cables that they would probably have to run. And so much cheaper. Much cheaper. You've got the transmitters and receivers. Mm -hmm. And everything else in between is God-given. Now, lasers don't have degradation over distance, do they? Well, I suppose they would through fog and rain and things like that. But if it's line of sight clarity... Oh yes. So, yeah. but I mean, like oh, degradation. Like, no, you could if it's strong enough, you can shoot a, a that laser to the, to the space station. Well, okay, but that's <laughs> that's where my thoughts going. I mean, oh, you've sure. got. Um, so you could have internet on the moon. Yes. But, uh, somebody just announced. Wow. I think it was last week that they're going to put a colony on the. Was it Japan? Said they're going to put a colony on the moon. Oh yeah. Or maybe it was, I didn't hear maybe that. Maybe it was a, cool. an order from Trump. I, I, re- I read it last week. Somebody, somebody wants, knows. Somebody's somebody comment. wants to go back to the moon and they want to try uh, starting a colony and then launch from there to go to Mars. I heard the NASA rules have changed based on um, Trump's um, order. Okay. But, so maybe that's, so maybe that's related. Yeah, but I mean, how cool would that be to have internet set internet High to speed. the moon? Sure. <laughs> They're already. Doing hey, let's stuff. get internet to Mars. Well, I'm laser. thinking about the connection between continents. Yeah. And how we're still very dependent on the underwater cable. Yes. Right. And that's fantastic in the back. You know, it's been really quite good considering, you know, holy cow, they ran a lot of cable. Can you that's encrypt true. laser transmission? Sure. Oh, yeah. Because yeah? it's a data transmission and reception. Yeah, okay, that's so, true. Fair enough. Yeah. You encrypt it on the transmitting end and boom. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, very I neat like story. this story. I, think I like neat. it too. It's what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time. No, Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Awesome. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I have to tell you... I am really, really good friends with 25 letters of the alphabet, but I don't know why. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs>
Okay, well, not the reaction she was hoping for. It's so good. Took me a second. I'm like, oh, Sasha's got something to say. Sasha has a, a corny pun. Such a pun. A funny. Okay. So okay. If, if that's what we're doing, uh, I've got one for you. Okay, seeing, and then seeing as this is a tech show, uh, why should you not pass gas in an Apple store? Why? Because they don't have windows. Ha. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a joke my kids would eat up. It's getting bad. For, <laughs> for everybody watching, have a very Merry Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy holidays, seasons, greetings, all that good stuff. Be safe out there. Spend time with your family, your loved ones, and soak up the holidays and make wonderful, wonderful memories. It's going to be fun. I got a lot of fun stuff planned with my kids. I'm looking forward to just relaxing and having Christmas with them. Yeah. I hope Do you have any special Christmas traditions? Our Christmas traditions? Yeah. Um any special ones no not really you know what there's nothing really that stands out to me as a christmas tradition beyond you know getting up with the kids and opening opening gifts right. on christmas morning and you know making it special for them that's the transition for us with three kids at home i'm sure you found the same it's it's like now it's about making it fun and exciting for the kids and mm-hmm. yeah we do christmas very special time for the kids my parents did that yeah Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because they go through the pajamas every year. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they get something fun on, you know, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. fun pajamas, and then... We do the ornaments. Yeah. So that would be our tradition. So a Christmas tree ornament that, uh, you know, every year they have one so that when they get older and have their own Christmas tree, they've got an assortment of ornaments that mm-hmm. mean something to them. Nice. What about you, Sasha? Well... I don't have any real traditions. Like, we have an ever-evolving, I have a big, crazy family. I have many siblings, and most of us are now married. So, we do Christmas, our Christmas celebration together the first weekend of December. So, it's already, that part's already done. This is Dave and I, mine and Dave's first year being married. Mm-hmm. So, whatever we do this year is going to be the tradition, I would think. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what we are doing this year, which I'm so excited about, we're going to go... In. Well, <laughs> that. Um, and also, we're going to um, the Narawasaga Inn, which is a, a nice inn close nice. by. Yeah. They have an all-you-can-eat Christmas dinner buffet. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that would be fun as yeah, a couple. Absolutely. I think it's going to be amazing. Oh, we'll meet good. other people there, sure, right? Yeah. There's going to be like a big dining room full of mm-hmm. other people that don't have other plans for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, and awesome. we're just going to eat all you can eat dinner. Perfect. Well, if it's on Christmas Day, yep. tip big because those workers are working. Yes, I will. I do. I used to be a server. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, Merry Christmas, and we will see you again next week. It's been fun having you here, and looking forward to seeing you next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Good night. Christmas.